Well, good morning, church. We're glad that you're here this morning. Obviously, we're having a little technical issues. That old devil's up to it again, but he's not going to shut us down. Amen? Amen. And we're glad you're here today. We're going to wrap up a series that we've been in called The Mystery of Christmas. And really, it's been a series about this idea of Advent. And maybe for many of you, Advent is kind of a new idea. It's that time of year that churches all across the world come together and they celebrate the arrival of Christ. The word Advent just means the coming or the arrival. And so as a church, we've come together the last four weeks, and we've been celebrating the first arrival of Jesus, who was born as a baby in Bethlehem in a manger. And as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we are also looking to the second advent, which is one day that he will come again. And so we've been talking about advent for the last four weeks. And, and just to remind you, because maybe you don't know this, the, the advent wreath really represents the eternal life that we have in Christ. And each candle represents something a little bit different. We, had, we started with the hope candle. And if you remember, we said this, the world we live in has this view of hope that says hope is nothing more than wishful thinking, right? You know, I hope I get that job. I hope I get that promotion. I hope that she says yes when I propose. I hope, I hope, I hope. It's this idea of wishful thinking. And what we said from the get-go is that's not a biblical approach to hope. That's not a biblical definition of hope. A biblical definition of hope is simply this. It is a certainty and an expectation that God is going to make good on his word. That's what hope is. So when we say that we have hope in Christ, what we're saying is that we have this expectation and this level of certainty that God is going to make good on his word. So when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, guess what? God's good for it. When God says, I'm there with you, I'm for you, I'm not against you, guess what? God is good for it. When God says that one day I'm going to split the skies and my son is going to come again, guess what? God is good for it. And so hope is saying, I am certain that God is going to make good on his word. We talked about that week one. And then we talked about week two, we talked about love. And much like hope, the world we live in takes this definition, they pervert it a little bit, right? And so love in the world that we live in is this notion of a great deal of fondness towards something. Or this idea that I really like something a lot. And what we found out is that is not anywhere close to a biblical definition of love. A biblical definition of love is this. It's an unconditional affection and devotion to someone or something. That's what love is. It's an unconditional affection and devotion to someone. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the Christmas story reminds me about the love of God. That he loves us so much that he sent his son. And because of the love of God, we talked about a couple weeks ago, we are compelled and we are commanded to go and to do what? Love other people, right? And then last week, we talked about the candle of joy. And you know, the world we live in oftentimes equates joy and happiness. But I would submit to you this morning that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is a fleeting emotion. It is temporary. It goes away. It's like an emotional roller coaster. And many of you have been on one of those, right? You can be having a happy day and all of a sudden it becomes sad really, really quick, right? Like when someone cuts you off in McDonald's drive-thru. That's a bad day, right? And so the happiness goes away. But that's not joy. Joy is not a fleeting emotion. Here's a biblical definition of joy that we talked about last week. It's when truth produces gladness and celebration in our soul. When truth produces gladness and celebration in our soul. Here's what that means. You can be in the deepest, darkest tunnel of your life, and you can still have joy. 
See, your joy is not based on your circumstance. Your joy is not based on your hurt. Your joy is based on the truth of the good news of who Jesus is. And last week, we talked about where do we find our joy. Well, obviously, it's not in our surroundings, but it's in Christ. And then today, we come to the candle of peace. And I think we can all agree that we live in a world with a great deal of unrest. Amen? We live in a world that truly wants there to be peace. But it's interesting when you think about peace in the world, and, and I was Googling some things and looking at some things a couple weeks ago. Ultimately, here's how the world defines peace. Now, follow me. Here's how the world will define peace. It's just simply the absence of conflict. That's how the world will define it. That peace would just be the absence of conflict. And you know that's what the world thinks because we've got some sayings that we've heard before. Like, have you ever heard uh, people around you or parents say something like this? Hey, we just need to keep the peace, right? We just want to keep the peace. What does that mean? I just want there to be no conflict going on. We want to keep the peace. Now, one phrase that Sonia and I said a lot when our boys were little, we just want peace and what? And quiet, right? Any other parents can amen that one? Right? We just want peace and quiet. What were we saying? We want a season, boys, crazy boys. We want a season of no conflict. And then when I was a kid, my mom, not me, my mom, I've already confessed that I like Hallmark Christmas movies, so don't think I like this. I didn't enjoy this at all, but my mom loved to watch the Miss America pageant when I was a kid. And I, you say, well, you could watch a different TV. Come on. When I was little, we had one TV, had the turn knob, and I was the antenna for my dad holding up aluminum foil, trying to, you know what I'm talking about, right? So we had one channel, and so we would watch it, and my mom loved it. And here's the one thing you all know about the Miss American pageant. The final T, when the, the 10, when they get to the question portion of it, they're always asked this question, what great tr- uh, contribution do you want to make to the world? And inevitably, there was always two or three that said this, I want what? World peace, right? What were they saying is, I want to live in a world where there's absolutely no conflict. So the world we live in defines peace as no conflict. That's not biblical peace. Hear me on this, church. That's not biblical peace. Biblical peace is not the absence of conflict. Biblical peace is the presence of inward fulfillment and wholeness. That's peace. Biblical peace is not the absence of conflict. You can be in conflict and still have peace in your soul. It's not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of inward fulfillment and wholeness. You say, Doug, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. It means that inward moment in you when you are well in your mind and in your body and in your spirit. When you are healthy in your mind and in your body and in your spirit, that is what biblical peace is. And when we come to the Christmas story, here's what we find. The angel announcing that peace has come, right? That now the opportunity for inward fulfillment, this opportunity for wholeness, this opportunity for you and I to be well and to be healthy in our mind, our body, and our spirit is now available. But here's what I know about most of us in the room. We look at this and go, but I don't feel that kind of peace. Come on. Some of you in the room can go, I don't feel that. I don't know, Doug, that I've truly had this inward fulfillment. I don't know, Doug, that I have this wholeness. Doug, quite frankly, when you talk about being healthy in mind and body and spirit, that does not define me. So here's the question for this morning. How do we get it? How do we get this kind of peace? And for some of us that are Christians, how do we get it back? Can we just be honest that we let the world rob us of our peace way too much? Come on, are you with me on that? 
So how do we get it back? I think the answer is found in the story, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. So once again, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. And for the last time this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word. Here's what the word of the Lord says in chapter 2, beginning of verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with what? Come on, they were filled with what? They were scared to death, right? And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Listen to this. Here we are. And suddenly there was the angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the time we've had together, Lord. We thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing to declare how that night was not just another night, but it was a holy night. It was a night where everything changed. And Lord, I pray as we talk about the Christmas story this morning, that this would be a morning that maybe for somebody, everything would change. Their eternity might change. Maybe for someone who's struggling finding peace this morning, they would find it in the person and the work of Jesus. So God, be with us. Help us. Rightly divide your word this morning so that we might learn and grow from it. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, so today as we look at this passage, I want you thinking about this. How do we get it back? How do we get peace? How do we gain peace? And how, quite frankly, do we get it back? And I think there's really three things I want you to notice in the passage here. The first one's found in verse 14. In fact, all of them are found in verse 14. Let's go back to verse 14. It says this. The angels and the hosts were singing and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The first thing I want us to know about this is that we need to remember that Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Now, here's why I, I feel like this is such a valuable point. is because for some of us, when I defined peace a while ago as this, this inward fulfillment and wholeness, there's some of you that might look at that and go, Doug, that's a pipe dream. Doug, what you're talking about, this idea of being healthy uh, in my mind and in my body and my spirit, Doug, that, that, that is unattainable, Doug. And I want to say to you this morning, you are wrong. It is attainable. It is not a pipe dream. Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus wants us to have an inward fulfillment and an inward wholeness where we can be healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. It is not unattainable. In fact, he wants us to have it this morning. And 700 years before Jesus arrived, a prophet by the name of Isaiah would make this announcement. But there's going to be a savior that's going to come, and he's going to be the prince of what? Peace. Peace. Meaning he's the one that's coming, and he's going to reign in his rules. And as he reigns and rules, guess what he brings with him? The opportunity for peace. Inward fulfillment, inward wholeness. And here in this story, in verse 14, in this story, we see the angels announce that this one coming, Jesus, brings peace on earth. Here's the point. As Jesus arrived on the earth, so did peace. When Jesus came into the world, so did peace 
come in the world. When Jesus came in the world, now there's an opportunity for you and I to experience inward fulfillment. For you and I to experience a wholeness, a healthiness, a well-being of our mind, our body, and our soul. But listen to me. The only way you and I can experience this peace, this peace that Jesus offers, listen, only comes through him. That's it. The peace that I'm talking about, can we put that definition back up, Thomas, for a minute? The peace that I'm talking about, this inward fulfillment and this wholeness is only found in the person of Jesus. Now, can I tell you kind of what's sad this morning, and it's sad maybe for many of us, is there's many of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, and we still don't experience that kind of peace, right? We let things rob us of our peace. And I just want to tell you this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, we should be, find ourselves in that moment where we go, you know what? I should be fulfilled. You know why? Because I'm in a relationship with him. I should be fulfilled because Jesus is enough. I should be made whole and I should be whole because I have been forgiven, right? If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be something in us going, I am fulfilled because Jesus is all I need. I am whole because he has forgiven me. And it's so important for us out of the gate to be reminded that Jesus came to bring peace. He wants you and I to experience it. And listen to me, you can't find this peace anywhere else. You're not going to find it in the bottom of a bottle. You're not going to find it in another relationship. You're not going to find it in money. The only place you can find the peace that you're searching for is Jesus. And I want you to know that. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, and if you're a believer and you've lost that peace and you have things rob you of that peace, listen, you've got to go back to the one who offers it. You've got to go back to the one who can give it. You've got to go back and say, I, Lord, I know that I love you. I know I'm living for you. I know you're my Savior, but I don't have this inward fulfillment. I don't feel this wholeness. Would you do a work in my life? And maybe this morning you don't know Christ, and you're searching for it, and your definition of peace is just simply be the absence of conflict, and you understand now that even the absence of conflict doesn't really bring peace, because we're still searching. We're still longing for something. That's what we're longing for. Fulfillment, wholeness, and wellness of our mind, our body, and our spirit. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus' peace. I want you to hear this. Jesus' peace leads us to a place where we are at peace with God because we have a relationship with him. It leads us to a place where we're at peace with ourselves. You know why? Because now we know that my identity is found in Christ and it leads us to a place that we are at peace with other people because I have a desire to demonstrate the kind of love that God has shown me. So one reason we desperately need the peace of God is so that we can be at peace with him, at peace with ourselves, and at peace with other people. Jesus came bringing peace. I need you to know that this morning because many of you go, yeah, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Yes, he did, but he came offering peace. Just real quickly, don't raise your hand, but just think about this. How many of you would love to have that? How many of you would love to have that inward fulfillment and that inward wholeness where you are well in your mind and your body and your spirit, where you are satisfied that Jesus is enough and that you know that you've been forgiven and no matter what that enemy throws at you, you are accepted by God? How many of you would love to cling to that truth this morning? Man, I hope all of us. Second thing I want you to notice is also found in verse 14, and I love this part. Verse 14 says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those 
with whom he is pleased. The second thing I want you to notice is, if we're going to gain the peace we're looking for, we must intentionally take the focus off of ourselves. Can we agree that we live in a very me-centered society? Come on. If you didn't say it, you probably live it, right? So we do. We live in a, very, a world that revolves around what we think, what we want, what we desire. It's me, 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 me. I mean, that's how we live in the world. In fact, I was at a, a family's house. We were having a, a kind of a, I got to host a family feud game, which was great because I love to talk. And so I was hosting it. And there was this one question on there that was like, who's the hardest gift to buy for? And so the person that put the game together had obviously got these off the internet of what the order was. And you know who the third person who was the hardest person? to buy a gift for was listed on there. Like 37 people said this out of 100, that the hardest person to buy a gift for, number three on the list, you know who it was? Myself. I don't know about you, but I've never bought myself a Christmas gift, have you? But apparently there's 37 out of 100 people that said they were, right? And the point is, that is, we live in a me-centered society. And if we're going to gain the peace that we're longing for, we've got to intentionally take the focus off of ourselves when the angels and the heavenly host show up look what they say they say glory to god in the highest and on earth peace the angels are singing and you know what they're singing of they're singing and they're praising god aren't they the angels didn't show up and the heavenly host didn't show up going hey look at this aren't we pretty cool the supernatural being we showed up and you've not seen this before look at us aren't we pretty cool is that what the angels did no the angels began to praise god right they began to sing of the glory of God. Here's what that means. They began to sing about how God is in control, how God is on his throne, how God's in charge of all things. They began to sing about the greatness of our God. They were declaring that on that night. And not only were they singing about the greatness of God, they were singing about the peace that God offers. Glory to God in the highest and peace, what? On earth. These angels' focus was not on themselves. Their focus was on praising and worshiping and adoring and admiring and singing and offering praise to the only one that deserves it, and that's the Lord. Declaring who they were, who he was, and what he was about. Now listen to me on this. The angels knew something, and they demonstrate something in that that we need to understand. The angels knew that the glory of God and the peace of God were inseparable. Here's what I mean. They understood that God's glory was reflected in his offering of peace. That the beauty and the greatness of our eternal God, his glory was reflected in the fact that he offered humanity the ability to have peace. This inward fulfillment and wholeness. And the peace he offered is a reflection of his glory. That he's a loving, kind, generous, merciful, gracious God. Amen? And so they understood that. Listen, if we are going to get back the peace, this inward fulfillment and this wholeness that we are longing to have, we've got to take the focus off ourselves. It's so important for us to make sure our attention is focused on the glory of God. We need to take some time to focus on who he is. Now, real quickly, this is going to be a quick thing, so you've got to help me out real quick, and you've got to be loud because I can hear out of one ear. You ready? Here we go. In just a moment, yeah, it's true, in just a moment, I'm going to say, who is Jesus to you? And on the count of three, you're going to shout something out, okay? You're going to shout out, maybe Savior, Provider, whatever it is. I just want you to shout out as loud as you can. And if you're not shouting out, we're going to do it till everybody's shouting out, all right? Because I've still got 30 more minutes, all right? So we're going to, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to shout it out. I want to hear you. Are you with me on that? Can you do that? 
Here we go. You ready? Who is Jesus to you? You ready? One, two, three. Okay. Now, when's the last time you paused to really think about what you just said? See, if we're going to take the attention off ourselves, there's a lot of names we can throw out for Jesus. Provider, protector, savior, faithful, whatever it is. There's a lot of things we can throw out there. But when we think of Jesus, if we're going to take the focus off ourselves, we've got to put the focus on who he is. We've got to start thinking about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. In fact, one of my favorite parts of the story, the, the Christmas story, is when it says that Mary treasured all these things and she pondered them in her heart. There was a moment Mary sat down and going, wow. Right? A moment she sat down, or maybe she's already sitting down because she just had a baby. She's laying there and she just took a breath and goes, I just delivered the Son of God. This truly changes everything. This is, this is incredible. She pondered those things in her heart. I'm asking you, if you're going to take the focus off ourselves, we've got to start pondering who he is. But not only pondering who he is, we've got to have a heart that is willing to glorify him. We've got to have a heart that's willing to make much of Jesus. In fact, one of the things I love about our Sunday morning, because occasionally I'll get questions like, you know, how do you pick out songs? What do you all do with the service? Well, Patrick and I have one agenda. Are you ready? This, I'm going to give away our secret. Are you ready? We have one agenda on Sunday mornings. You know what it is? To make much of Jesus, and that's it. We want to sing about his name. We want to sing about who he is, what he's done for us, and we want to celebrate it. That's why worship is so important. That's why singing and declaring who he is is so important. All we want to do on a Sunday morning is declare who Jesus is and worship and celebrate him for that. And if we're going to take the focus of ourselves, we've got to start doing that in our own lives. We've got to figure out and start pondering not only who Jesus is, but we need to take some time in our lives to make much of Jesus to make sure that we're making him the number one in our lives. And so if we're going to regain the focus we're looking for, if we're going to regain the peace we're searching for, we've got to take the focus off of ourselves and put it on the glory of God, who he is, and then rejoicing because of that. And then one more thing I want you to notice, also found in verse 14. It says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Here's the last thing I want you to know. We need to recognize that peace only comes through faith in Jesus. You say, Doug, you said that a while ago. I know, but I wanted to labor it today a little bit. Because you notice how the passage ended there? It says, peace on earth to those whom he is what? Pleased. Another translation would say, those whose favor rests. Those are actually the two most exact translations based on the Greek text, that those whom his favor rests on are those whom he's pleased with. And what is the angel saying? Here's what the angel's saying, is peace only comes to those who God is pleased with. Peace only comes to those whom God's favor rests on. We say, well, Doug, how do, I, how do I please God? How do I have favor with God? Well, here's how you please God. Here's how you favor God, through a personal relationship with Jesus. God is pleased with those who've trusted Christ. God is pleased with those and has favor on those who put their faith in Christ. So we need to recognize this morning the peace, this inward fulfillment, this wholeness we're looking for only comes through faith in Jesus. Amen to that, church? Amen. See, that's why we're able to come this morning and lastly, light the Christ candle. Because as we've talked through these different elements, we're able to come to this moment where we light the Christ candle. Because when we light the Christ candle, you know what we're saying? We are saying, my hope 
is found in Jesus, right? The love I long for, I can only find in Jesus. We're saying the joy, this truth that brings gladness, it's Jesus. The peace that I desperately need can only be found in Jesus. What we're saying when we light the Christ candle is that Jesus is my everything. Is he your everything this morning? Come on, is he your everything? See, here's something I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, most of us in this room desire the kind of peace we've talked about this morning. We desire that inward fulfillment and wholeness, that, that well-being of our mind, our body, and our spirit. We desire that, but it can only be found in Jesus. And as I was preparing this message, can I just tell you something that God has been teaching me the last three weeks? And it's this, that if I want the peace of God to reign in me, Jesus must rule over me. I'm going to say it again because you might want to write this one down because I wrote it down going, hey, I kind of like that, right? Here it is. If I want the peace of God to reign in me, Jesus must rule over me. See, if Jesus is not the boss and master of my life, if I'm not looking to him every day all the time, the peace of Christ is not going to rule and reign in me. If I want the peace of God to reign in me, Jesus must reign and rule over me. Now this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you would just simply say this, Doug, you know what? I don't know that I have the peace that you've talked about this morning. Somewhere along the line, the enemy has robbed me of that. Somewhere along the line, I've lost this sense of fulfillment that Jesus is enough. I've lost this sense of wholeness that I am forgiven and accepted and loved and cared for. I've lost that. How do I get it back? Well, you go back to what we talked about this morning. Remember that Jesus came to bring you peace. And maybe, listen, I hate to say it, but maybe the reason you lost it is because your life has become all about you and not all about him. Your life has become about what you want, your corporate ladder, your position, what you want to achieve, instead of, God, what do you want for me? And if you're a follower of Christ and you're struggling with this peace, here's one word I would encourage you to do this morning, and that's repent. To turn from a life where it's all about you and say, Jesus, I want my life to be all about you. I want my parenting, Jesus, to be all about you. I want my marriage, Jesus, to be all about you. I want my work environment, Jesus, to be all about you. I want to spend my time pondering and thinking about who you are, your greatness, your awesomeness, your all-powerful, your all-knowing, your ever. I want to think about all that all the time, Lord, and then I want to rejoice in that and let the world know and everybody know I want to make much of you, Jesus. And so some of us as believers, we just need to repent this morning. Instead of making our life about us, Let's make it about him. Because here's what you know as a Christian. You can't muster up your own peace, can you? You can't muster up this inward fulfillment wholeness. You can only have it through Christ. And so believers, maybe we need to repent this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. You've never said yes to him. Listen, I know you're searching for peace. I know you're searching for something to bring fulfillment and satisfaction and contentment and well-being to your soul. But you're not going to find it anywhere but him. And all you have to do is just say yes to him this morning. Say, Jesus, I believe you came as a baby in a manger and you died on a cross for my sin and today I surrender my life to you. And if you do that, you can accept him and receive the peace that he offers. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do this morning. Everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up, every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And we don't do this a lot, and I can't see a lot, 
but I want you to have a, maybe an intentional physical response this morning to what you've heard. If you're a follower of Jesus and you say, you know what, Doug? Every head bowed and right closed. You're a follower of Christ and you say, you know what? I'm struggling with the peace that you're talking about. I'm struggling with being well and healthy in my mind, my body, and my spirit. I'm struggling with inward fulfillment and wholeness. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Just slip it up, put it right back down. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call you out. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Amen. All across the room. If that's you this morning, would you just repent? Maybe you've made life about you instead of about him. Maybe you've been making much of you instead of making much of him. And if you need to do that, this altar's open. Jason and Kelly will be over to my left behind, oh, the curtain will be pulled back. And Pat and Willie will be over to my right with the curtain pulled back. If you need them to pray with you, they would love to do that. But would you repent this morning? And then if you're here this morning, and you desperately want the peace that Jesus offers, but you've never trusted him, and today you would like to give your life to Jesus, would you just put your hand and put it back down? Nobody's going to be looking around, just me. Slide it up, put it right back down. You've never trusted him, and you want to do that this morning. Amen. I'm going to pray, and after I'm done praying, whatever decision you make, would you be faithful to do that? If you need to come pray at this altar, come do it. If you need people to pray for you, we got people on both sides. Or maybe you just need to just kind of stand there this morning and ponder who he is and make a commitment that the rest of your days you're going to make a big deal of Jesus everywhere you go. God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. I thank you that as we come to the story, we're able just to celebrate what the angel and the heavenly host declare, that glory to you, not us, but to you, because you are the highest. You are sovereign. You are all-powerful, all-knowing. You are all, uh, you're, you're everything, Lord. And because of that, we worship you. And Lord, we thank you that even though that you're so sovereign and so supreme and so majestic that you were willing to offer us peace through your son Jesus. And God, today I pray if we've lost it, we would regain it. And if we've never had it, today we would surrender our life to Christ and receive it for the first time. God, would you just speak to us this morning and will we be faithful to respond? We love you, Lord. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. If you need to respond, if you need to pray, this altar's open. People are waiting to pray for you. But listen, Christmas is a crazy, awesome time of the year. But what makes Christmas so amazing is that it's a, a reflection of the love that God has for us. And I don't want you to leave this room today. I don't want you to leave this school today not embracing how much he loves you. So if you need to respond this morning, just be faithful to do that as we sing.